Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. I've been waiting a long time for this interview. This is with Mark Vandervenen of the Shalim Mental Health Network. We've been talking about getting together. We've been talking about talking together for an awfully long time. And Mark is uh, is a genuine, uh, deeply relational, authentic and transparent guy. He's the executive director of the Shalim Mental Health Network and doing some pretty pretty incredible work and we talk a lot in today's podcast about things like restorative practice and wraparound work and about how we need to to build deeper relationships to uh, have an impact from uh, a community perspective this is about uh, self-awareness and about uh, the professionalization of care he talks a great deal about what keeps him awake at night this again it's an engaging and compelling interview um, I wish I'd written a chapter about this in my you know best-selling book real change don't forget check us out online davidpecklive.com I think you know we're in our 50th printing that's 50 copies actually so our 51st printing is coming any day soon uh, davidpecklive.com um, you know another initiative we're involved in the mosquitoes suck tour don't bite me.ca check us out hope you enjoyed today's interview with mark i think you will well welcome to face to face we have a very special guest i know i say that every week but we have a very special guest here today with us mark vandervenen from the shalim mental health network in hamilton 
Thanks for joining us, Mark. Thank you, David. It's a it's a treat to be here. I've, how long we've been trying to book this for about a, what seventeen years? Is that right? <laughs> Could be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've only been here eleven. Oh, okay. So okay. It's been a little so, less than that. So, so <laughs> we were we were probably communicating in a former life, is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, this one's been a real challenge to book, but that's mostly because I think we're both pretty busy people, not because neither of us wanted to actually do it. I think I've been yeah. really looking forward to this yeah, for a lot too. of reasons. We're, to, we're going to talk about mental health today. We're going to hear a little bit about Mark and what he does, why why he's the executive director of the Shalim Mental Health Network. We're, we're doors away from the YMCA in Hamilton. Hamilton's a really interesting place. There's a lot of, I think, uh, cool, and cool is just not even the right word at all, but, but engaging and holistic programs at work here. I was at the Peace Breakfast yesterday, uh, five, four or 500 people there, mm-hmm. and just remarkable and, 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 and really you know, um, inspirational. I mean, the 7.30 a.m. start, I could have done without, <laughs> but, but it was pretty awesome, yeah. pretty amazing. So, yeah. so let's talk about that, and, and, and uh, uh, hopefully we can chisel away at maybe some of the preconceived ideas, too, about what mental health yeah. really is all about. So, I mean, I, you know, personally, I, I would call myself a melancholic soul. Right. You know, sure. I, I, I don't know that I have depression in my history. Yeah. Uh, I definitely, you know, would describe myself from time to time as being depressed. I've been on medication in yeah. the past years yeah. ago. Yeah. I've suffered a divorce. Yeah. I mean, I've gone through counseling. Right. You know, y- y- we hear about these crazy stories in the in the news. Yes. These these, uh, and, cra- and I mean crazy in the sense of of over the top the the shootings or you know abuse stories and and we go oh mental health, but it's way more nuanced than that isn't it i mean and also way more of a problem in a sense and and so it's i just wonder how how you might respond to that absolutely you know, the it, ubiquity of it almost yeah it it's out there i sometimes right. talk about you know uh, you know the line about six degrees of separation right yeah right. but right. i think when it comes to mental health it's more like two or three degrees mm-hmm. of separation mm-hmm. we're that connected to uh, either our, we ourselves who've got a mental health issue that we're struggling with, or a loved one, or a family member. Um, it's uh, it's like I like that term ubiquitous. It does seem to be out there. Well, it's kind of everywhere, you know. Yeah. I mean, and I wonder to what degree, you know, we're sort of uh, in a sense at a place of almost recovery. You know, you know the way you talk about reactions: the pendulums one side, right. the pendulums right. the other, and right. then maybe we'll balance off the dialectical sort of yes. angle. People have been kind of afraid in a way, to talk about mental health issues, haven't they? Absolutely. And and if that's true, is that changing? I think it's changing. I do think uh, your pendulum metaphor is probably accurate. There is a lot less stigma now around conversation around mental health issues. Some of that is due to things like the Bell Talks campaign, Clara Hughes, public figures like Sheila Rogers from the CBC, and others talking about their own journey with depression or bipolar or whatever it might be. Uh, and they have been very courageous people who have uh, made themselves vulnerable in public. Uh, but from the point of view of we want to change the secrecy, the cloak of secrecy that surrounds mental health issues, and we want this to be a topic of conversation. Why? why I mean, you know, why is it? Why is there a secrecy around it? I don't get. I personally yeah. don't get it. No, I'm. I'm. I don't know. I, I've always con- sort of considered myself an open book, and if somebody asks me a pointed question and I think they're sincere. I'm going to answer it. I think you know what's what's up with that. I think it has a lot to do with shame. Mm. Um, hmm. We may feel ashamed about the fact that we struggle with something. Um, it also may have to do with our upbringings. 
Right. So, yeah. you know, if as growing and growing up, and and your parents were the the type of folks who would say just buckle up and uh, right. grit just your teeth and go for it. Stiff upper lip. Stiff kind of upper lip. Thing. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there may be a whole constellation of reasons as to as to why, but I think shame is powerful. And shame is a, a really basic human emotion. We all experience it and we all feel it. Do you make a distinction between shame and guilt? I do. Okay. Shame is shame is about who we are. Um, uh, it's it's you know guilt might be something that we've done that we can repair. Uh, shame is about who we are, and it 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 also can be repaired. Do you mean like shame in the sense of? Um um, you know, which a friend of mine would say, the I am nots, like mm-hmm. I'm not worthy, I'm not acceptable, yes, I'm, exactly, not loved, exactly. I'm not pretty enough, I'm not talented with, enough. With guilt, you might say, I messed up. Right, with shame, right. you might say, I'm a schmuck. Right. 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 I'm an idiot. And and, and, yeah. and, and and Mark, from a mental health perspective, to me, it's the kind of thing that you don't actually ever say to right. yourself. You right. just, you, for good or for ill, you live within that framework, right? Right. I think when we're processing shame well, we, uh, first of all, we find ways to process shame, and that's usually through conversation and relationship, hmm. Hmm. but also um, we're, we're able to hold that and not be dysregulated by it. Uh, we're able to say, oh, I'm feeling ashamed about that, or, you know, there's an aspect of me that I'm really uncomfortable with and ashamed about, but I'm, I'm not going to let that uh, unmoor me. I'm going to try to move beyond it and and uh, deal with it. Sometimes I've wondered, you know, I having suffered some of these issues myself, and you know, to what degree I guess is up for argument. You'd probably have to talk to my my former therapist, <laughs> I suppose. But um, uh, I, I wonder to what degree that we, I mean, we're doing a disservice to ourselves, really, aren't we? And I think, you know, don't we all just need relationship? Absolutely. Don't we all just need you know, substantive, authentic, transparent conversation, good Absolutely. friendships. And I've wondered if sometimes you guys would yeah. be out of business yeah. if more folk on the street, uh, families, were actually talking about these things. Absolutely. You know, like, I, w- yeah. um, could you imagine what it would be, how healing it would be right. for my mom and me? Right. Right? Exactly. To talk about her past Absolutely. and mine, and, you know? Absolutely. Why is that such a crazy idea? Well, it, it's not a crazy idea, but for whatever <clears throat> reasons... Yeah. Uh, you know, there are obstacles to it, but it's very much what we are working towards. Uh, we do a lot of work in restorative practice, hmm. restorative justice. It comes out of the restorative justice field, but really okay. restorative practice is about how do we have healthy relationships, build strong communities, and have difficult conversations in a safe way in any variety of contexts, maybe at schools, uh, in workplaces, or in faith communities, for example. Um, and and it, it's not that difficult, but it does take a little bit of a shift. Uh, sometimes we develop relational habits or conversational habits that end up being a little bit of dead ends. But if we create spaces of safety, if everyone has a voice and, it's, and, and has a meaningful voice, um, things can happen that allow us to move, you know, process shame, for example, uh, and work through stuff. The, the neurobiology happening now, the neuroscience is hmm. astounding in what hmm. it's showing us around how wired we are for relationship as human beings. Hmm. Hmm. Um, it's, it's very clear that even at a very biological level, we need relationship as much as we need food and air. 
And water. So I love the fact that we seem to be wired for relationships, and I truly do believe that. Mm -hmm. However, I'm a bit uncomfy with that only because it opens up another door for me that I okay. don't like, which means I'm wired towards shame. I'm wired towards um, uh, promiscuity. I'm wired towards, uh, uh, you know, stealing. <laughs> it's in my DNA, Mark. Right, okay. I, I, I can't do anything about it. And by the way, you better check your desk before we leave today. You know, well, I'm, I would, I'm just wired that I way. I would say we're wired for a healthy relationship. Okay, okay. And, and the kinds of things you're talking about, um, whatever impulses there might be in that direction, come from some sort of fracture or, mm. or break in relationship um, that was maybe not healthy. Um, but again, if, uh, like for example with restorative practice, if we can create safe spaces for those conversations, if there are ways that you could express those things in a safe way without being judged or blamed or... I was just going to say, you know, for you, safe space means yeah. uh, listening, yeah. uh, affirming, uh, and not judging. Not judging. It, it, it also means respect, uh, being respectful and also challenging one another. So um, it's not just But you can only a, do that yeah. once you've built the relationship to a certain exactly. point or you have the trust or whatever, right? Exactly, exactly. So as a practitioner, as a mental yeah. health provider, as a psychologist, psychiatrist, are you doing, do you think, more listening than, than speaking in a conversation? There, there's off, an awful lot of listening, and I think just as a society and a culture, we need to learn how yeah, to listen. Yeah, we kind of suck at it, right? We're actually quite poor at it. Yeah, yeah. And I listen. I'm a high offender. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes I can, I, you know, you know what's weird? I seem to listen better with people that I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So my family, my kids, my wife, my mom, I don't know, because right. I know them well. Right. And I can multitask well, and it's, it's yeah. not fair, really, is it? <laughs> no. But I don't know if that's common or not. But uh, Well, let me, I'll tell you a story about our staff. I'm actually here for some free counseling. Hey, no problem. Yeah, I just can't afford <laughs> well, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you could buy me lunch later. That's right. So the, um, I'll tell you a story of our, about our staff here at Shalim. So we have a staff of about 12. We meet monthly as a staff for a staff meeting. We've dispensed with the usual way of doing staff meetings, and we do it in a restorative way. Hmm. And here's what I mean by that. Nice. I, love, I like the sound of it. Yeah. So um, every staff meeting, each staff member is asked the same three questions, and they all know this ahead of time. And the questions are, celebrate a success, first of all, a lesson learned, secondly, and thirdly, what's coming up. And uh, we use a talking piece, so we set ourselves up in a circle, and we have a talking piece, and, and it's different each month, and it may have some symbolic significance of some kind. But the notion is that the talking piece gets passed around the circle. Staff don't have to answer the questions if they don't want. They can pass. But only the person with the talking piece uh, may speak. So is this like a peace pipe sort of? Something like that. And so it's had a dramatic just that little shift hmm. in how hmm. we do conversation has had a dramatic shift on our culture as a staff <clears throat> and from the point of view of listening. So when the person with the talking piece is speaking, you can't interrupt. You're not having a side conversation with the person sitting next to you. You're forced to listen, and staff talk about that. So staff who tend to talk a lot talk about what a shift that was for hmm. them. Staff who tend to be quiet talk about I'm talking more now. There's more space for me to talk. Mm -hmm. 
So it's been a powerful exercise in listening, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. what it's done is really developed uh, relationships amongst it's good. staff. It sounds to me like it's almost a, um, a celebration or an opportunity to honor the moment a bit more. Yeah. I'm doing a lot more restorative and meditative yoga, and this idea of 90 minutes to myself right. is a ridiculous to find that in a week. But also something that I've, it's kind of like water for me, honestly. Yeah. I don't get it. I'm yeah. really, which is pretty funny, yeah. annoyed, uh, which is so not sort of meditative or right. sort of. Right. But I really miss it. Yeah. And it's about, and I, I'm crummy at, at staying in the moment. I really am. My kids have yeah. helped with that. Yeah. My wife, Elizabeth, yeah. has helped with that. Yeah. But I'm getting better. Yeah. So there, there is hope. But I wonder, you know, you got the stick. Yeah. Okay, my turn. Right. And when it's somewhere, you know, and it's about being folk. I mean, listening is about being in the moment. Well, right? and there's something about what you were saying too about the yoga and missing it. There's something about ritual. Hmm. So yeah, I, I think so too. A year and a half into this process with the staff, I thought, well, it's the same questions every time. Maybe they're getting a little stale. I'll mix it up a little bit. So I did, and I had a near riot on my hands. <laughs> Didn't go very well. It's pretty funny. There's something about the consistency and the reliability. Sure, yeah. It be takes on a bit of a ritual quality. Yeah, yeah, and, sure. And I'm impressed by how important ritual is in well, our lives. Well, and isn't this really about um, the, 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 the iconic kind of edge to most religious traditions? Right. The kneeling when you pray. Right. The Catholic right. lighting of the candles, yeah. the incense for Buddhists, yeah. and so yeah. on. Right? There's something to be said for that. There's a pro and a con, it seems to me, sure. right? Because you can become really lazy. It has to it be too. a living thing. Yeah, it yeah. has to be a living practice. But yeah. it, it, rituals are as simple as birthday parties, right? for example. Right. And I think as a society or a culture, we're, we're losing rituals. Right. But right. it's a deep human right. need. Yeah, yeah. There's something. Well, I think, you know, back to your earlier comment, there's a, there's a safety about that. Right. There's a exactly. space for it, it seems. Uh, in some, some regards. So why are you involved in this mental health work? Uh, you know, what, what was it that, that drew you in? Always interested to know why somebody's doing something other than, you know, making lots of money. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, uh, I've had my own mental health history. So prior to becoming a therapist and a social worker, I went through my own counseling therapy uh, kind of work, and that has been very important in my own development. But it, uh, ironically, it was not that that got me hmm. into the field. Hmm. Um, uh, at a certain point, I was actually working in children's theater in Toronto. And we were doing a lot of work with kids in schools and a lot of theater games and exercises. And uh, it started to feel like we were actually doing therapy with these kids. Wow. So that kind of piqued my interest. Um, but, but then I, I thought... I so you were, were, you, were you guys performing mm -hmm. pieces at schools? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I, um, but I don't have, and this may sound funny, I don't have an overwhelming desire to quote unquote help people. Hmm. And I thought, well, maybe that's a handicap. You mean then or now or both? Both. Huh. Okay. Uh, and, and so I went to a therapist friend of mine and said this, that I'm thinking about going in this field, but I'm worried that this is an obstacle. And he said to me, that's exactly what would make you a good therapist. And so that's what got, then I got into it. And um, a colleague of mine teaches uh, psychotherapy at a, at a local university. And his first class, he says, who, who is here because they want to help people? And people raise their hands, mm -hmm, some of mm -hmm. them. And he says, then you're probably in the wrong field. So 
there's something about getting into this field where it's not about if you have an overwhelming desire to help people, you will probably be getting in the way of what people actually need to do to um, make their lives better. It becomes your agenda rather than the person so then, who's coming. So then what is the motivation? So I'm I am fascinated by what makes people tick. Who are we as human beings? What is this about the wiring between us that makes relationships so critical? What makes for healthy relationships? And what makes for relationships that are broken? And how, how do those things get transformed back towards health? Uh, so so I have you, a kind of anthropological interest. Sure. So obviously, like, I'm really interested in people. I want. Of course. How, to, can you, how can you know, you tell me at the beginning of the interview yeah. it's all about relationships? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go, yeah, I don't really yeah. give a rat's yeah. ass about yeah. people, right? Yeah. It's kind of, but so I get that. Right. I totally get that. Right. But I'm really interested in that. So is that about ego in a way? It could be, yeah. I mean, if, if your ego as a therapist is wrapped up in helping your client, right. um, then your solution for that client will very likely fit what you think needs right, to happen. Right, this is more about me than exactly. it is about you. Yeah, exactly. I might not speak, but I right, might not be listening. Either. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, so I've often wondered yeah. if people in the social work, um, international development, sort of my field, yeah. certainly the mental health field, if they're suffering from mental health issues themselves, well, so yeah. they get into it for the wrong exactly. reasons. Exactly. Well, right? or it could be the right reasons. The, the, I've often said all therapists get into the field because they need therapy themselves. Right, right. And the Which may the be good a comment ones, about us as human beings, well, not it, as therapists, right? It, the good ones are the ones who know that. Right. And the, the bad ones are the ones who don't. So if, if so you self awareness don't, is yes, key. Yes. If you don't know that, then you're trying to work out your own stuff through your client, and that's not helpful. If you do know that, then you then you're, you're working at separating what you need to do from what your client needs. Right, right. Yeah, I would think too that, I mean, I don't know if I would be very good at it because I think there's a part of me that, um, I, have a tr I have trouble sort of detaching myself right. from others' sure. issues. And, and maybe you become better at it, but sure. you, know, you also have to, you, you almost have to develop a, a thick skin yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh gee, well, you know, we're coming to the end of our time here today yeah, yeah, as yeah. somebody's laying their right. heart on the table they right. just rip their heart out and right. put it on the table right you know what do you you know how do you how do you reconcile with that right. you know that's got to be pretty tough yeah you, you, you just drink a lot is that no <laughs> no you uh that's why your colleagues are so important right right so yeah your support you, mechanism right exactly um and whatever else i mean for me i have a a, a lovely beautiful family and that's a huge support for me. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but your colleagues are really important, and, and you vent with them, not with your client. You know, you're dealing with an, uh, an abuse survivor. And is and that a, would you say that's a way to recharge almost? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So it's internal and external relationships that are fundamentally essential to, to, to good mental yeah. health. And how, does, how do you take care of your mental health? Well, so, you know, me, you know, I have a melancholic soul. Or right. I, I, I like dark movies. Right. You know, right. my wife, Elizabeth, doesn't. She's right. the one who smiles more than I do, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, classic story. And if she was here, she'd tell it to you in a better way. But we're driving through the Holland Marsh, and it's dark and kind of rainy. And I look over and I go, whole that's a funnel cloud. Right. Thinking, you know, tornado. Tornado. Coming across. It was actually a rainbow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
And so Elizabeth loves to tell this story. Yeah, figures you saw death and destruction, and I see life and beauty and richness, you know. And it's it's funny and kind of tragic in its own well, way. Uh, but that's what makes us a good team. I was going to gonna say, know? it's probably why you're married. Yeah, yeah. 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 So how do, you, how do you take care of yourself? Mentally? Well, it's critical. And I mean you, but also others. Well, it, one of the things I really stress here at Shalem is um, as therapists, social workers, you have to take time off. And so it's easy to overwork yourself. But um, if you don't take time off and take care of yourself, you are doing a disservice to the people you're working with. So even if that feels self-indulgent, the message is um, you're actually uh, not serving your clients if so you don't this take is care like, of yourself. Is this shut off Blackberry, go to see a movie. Kind oh, it's of. whatever works for various right, people. Right, right. You know, for me, I'm a bit of an introvert. I need, to, uh, I need to have time alone. I right. love to read. I love to write. I, I have, you know, little hobbies. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I run my car and waste vegetable oil. Stuff like that. Seriously? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. That sounds like another podcast. Yeah. Amazing. I don't even know what that means. So what do you got, like a bottle of Mazzola corn oil that you're pouring into your... Yeah, I do. Rest, Seriously? Re restaurants give it to me. Waste oil. So you, only just, use... you just pull up to like the uh, greasy spoon and say, hey guys, you got a, you got a quart for me? Well, today, I've, got about, I've got about three restaurants and chip truck guys that supply me with their oil. Okay. And There's a comedy routine yeah. going on here, Mark, <laughs> that that we need to explore. I got a, I got this shot of a chip truck pulling up beside your Firefly or whatever you drive, and, and you got a siphon, and you're you're, you're siphoning out the grease into your car. It's almost like that, not that's quite. Hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. The, the emissions are better. It's free, and. Wow, it's a it's a Volkswagen diesel engine. What, so what did you call it? I got I got to write this down. It's right? actually the website. Well, I bought a kit, and oh. the, and the website for the kit is greasecar.com, out of the U.S. That's amazing. And it works like a dream, and I've been doing it for probably seven eight years. So anyway, seven or eight years. It, wow. It, it, talk about that's a I have fun with that. Yeah, and sure that's you do. a diversion. Well, you can cook some eggs and bacon <laughs> on the side, right? With what you don't use. I mean, how many people can do that with their their fuel? I don't use new oil because I don't believe in that. Right. Okay. But this is waste oil. I recycle it. Waste oil. Wow. Very mm -hmm. cool. So, I want to talk about a couple things. You yeah. know, you know, before we started rolling, you talked about how difficult it is to, to, to run a an office like this. You've got mm. 12 staff, mm. it's, you know, we've got public funding, right. you've got donors, right. you've got fee-for-service. Right. I want to get into that. You talked a little bit too, uh, uh, to me about wraparound work. Right. Sounds really interesting mm -hmm. and inclusive and so on. And maybe, maybe, we can, maybe we can move that way. But I wondered mm -hmm. if before we got into the more practical side, what's kind of going on in uh, Ontario, Canada, the West, Hamilton. Can I ask that much of a generic yeah, question absolutely. from a mental health perspective? Absolutely. Or do I have to go really specific no. and say, you know, let's talk about uh, whites or let's talk about blacks or let's talk about Asian folk or let's talk about First Nations communities? I, I'm guessing there's some common threads from a mental health perspective. One of the th big themes for me is I think over the last number of decades, for whatever reasons, as a society, we've sort of offloaded our responsibility to care for those who are most vulnerable to the professionals. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I was asked one time to give a talk on what keeps me awake at night. Mm. And Good. I said, what keeps me awake at night is something I call the professionalization of care. Um, so what that's done, 
this offloading is it's overburdened the professional sector. So um, long waiting lists, um, short-term services because there's so much demand and so much need. Uh, but it's also then disempowered us as communities because we then tend to defer to the experts. We defer to the doctor or the psychiatrist or whomever. And um, you have this sense that each on their own can't do it. Professionals can't do it. They're overburdened. Communities can't do it. They're disempowered. But together in a different kind of relationship where they actually supported one another and nurtured each other's strengths, maybe they could do it. And so everything that we're doing at Shalem, you could describe as a demonstration project in a new or different type of relationship between those two, between communities and professionals. For professionals, it means that we as professionals need to learn how to embed ourselves in communities. And uh, that's more challenging than you might think for professionals. For communities, it means stepping up and assuming their rightful responsibility to care for those who are most vulnerable. So I think that's a general theme that's happening in, in mental health. Uh, we were talking about funding earlier. One of the outcomes of this, this professionalization of care is that funding is extremely tight, it's difficult. Cutbacks uh, are happening or threatened to happen on a regular basis. I know in children's mental health nowadays, a typical waiting list for a children's mental health center is a year. Wow. So things get worse before they can be addressed so at an earlier level. Are you talking right? about um, Trillium funding? Are you talking about government funding? Government funding. Government funding and one of the realities in mental health now is I did a scan a couple of years ago in Ontario, for example, about 90% of children's mental health budgets uh, come from three levels of government, 97%. Wow. Uh, in adult mental health, it's about 84%. And so... Those sectors, in my view, are pretty vulnerable because they're so dependent on a government purse that's shrinking. Why is it shrinking? Is it just because tax base is shrinking? Is it because the, it's not getting the focus that it deserves? The, the, uh, other other issues are taking the money it, away? It's a really good question. Yeah. I mean, and I can't speak to all of it. Yeah. Deficits, of course, are big yeah. in government uh, right now. Um, but also... It's shrinking in relation to the demand and the need, and so the need keeps rising. And what, what is that about? Well, we're, I'm not exactly sure, other than I think it has something to do with the breakdown of community for people. Mental health, mental illness tends to isolate folks, and we know that it's in relationship that recovery happens. So you're saying maybe the money is kind of the same, but the need increases, therefore there's less uh, to go around, to sprinkle around. Just to give soil. you an example, yeah. suicide right now is the leading... I was gonna, that was a question yeah. coming up. Yeah, it's the leading cause of violent death in the world right now, right? So think of the despair that lies underneath that statistic. And how, as a society, as a community, do we respond to that? 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a, an astounding yeah. kind of stat. Yeah, I love your your notion of you know think about the, think about the implications. Right. The despair below it. I right. mean, for me in development, same thing. You know. Right. There's a water related issue in this community. Well, now let's dig down, no pun intended. Yeah. And figure out what's going on. Yeah. It's not just about clean water here. There are other issues. Yeah. Children are dying of water related diseases. Right. What does that mean? Right. Right. There's training. There's capacity. Right. There's infrastructure. Right. There's maybe a disease. Right. You got to start peeling back some of those layers. Wow. I mean, is it is it fair to say why suicide is so high? Yeah. I mean, what a crazy question. It, it is fair to say, but I can't say that I have the answer. But I, isn't it interesting? Yeah. I mean, if that's a global killer, right. I mean, you know, cigarettes, okay, cancer, yeah. uh, heart disease, uh, too much fat. Uh, you know, you got these causal connections. Yeah. But what's the causal connection to something like suicide? Yeah. Taking your own life, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's... Uh, um, what, could where, you make where is that despair coming yeah, yeah, from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know, I, I don't know the answer, but I do know that when people are connected, mm. when they have positive, healthy connections, it's a significant protector against suicide. So we're back to relationships. Exactly, exactly. Relationships and community. So I live in a community, North Oakville. Uh, we've got these five and a half, six foot fences. I talk about this all the time. Yeah. How do we get people to, uh, including myself and my yeah. family, how yeah. do we get people out of our own backyards, Mark? I mean, here you are doing mental health issues in your own backyard, yeah. in Ontario, yeah. locally, et cetera. Yeah. I work sort of more internationally. Yeah. I get accused sometimes of, oh, gee, what are you working in Cambodia for when you could be working here in Oakville right. or in Hamilton, right? right? So that's a whole other issue or conversation. But how do we get people on right. board? So, you know, as I talk to more social justice uh, folk, as I talk to more experts in f their various fields, it is a common question for sure. me now. A, why are you in? Right. And why aren't you doing something else? Right. Really important for me, yeah. um, depending on the field, of course. And then, uh, how do we get, how do we, yeah. you know, you, you talk about wraparound work, yeah. maybe this is yeah. a nice little segue, yeah. Yeah. but how do we, you know, yeah. I can't even see my neighbors right. for right. crying out loud, right? right? <laughs> and, and, and we have our, our garage is in the back, so we pull in in the back, we walk in through the garage, we come in through the, which is kind of lovely, it's not connected to sure. the house, we don't have the car in the front, which is nice, you know, for the community, sure. you know, very old school, rarely see my neighbors unless there's a yeah. snowstorm. Yeah. Um, or I'm playing a bit of hockey with my son. You know, so, so what do you do with that? I think there, there has to be some network, collective, group that you or your family members are involved in. It, maybe it's a faith community of some kind. Maybe it's Rotary. Maybe it's uh, the school that your kids go to. Uh, there's some gathering of people beyond yourselves. Uh, maybe it's a neighborhood association. What we've been doing uh, in Hamilton is um, a process called wraparound. And wraparound is uh, something where a community intentionally says, we will look after the most vulnerable of our members of this community. Um, and so a number of people in Hamilton got together and said, we want to do this. Wraparound is a strength-based process for people who have very complex needs. Uh, these are the kinds of situations uh, where um, that tend to burn out services or tend to burn out churches, for example. Um, and so just to clarify, so a wraparound, would it be like a group of people coming together? Yeah. So it could be, a, uh, could be an offshoot or a committee or a, yeah. at a rotary club? Exactly, exactly. Okay. And so um, uh, it, there, 
there's training to become a wraparound facilitator. Oh, okay. And is this your program? This or? is our program. Nobody else is doing this. There, are, there are other people. There's about 18 wraparound initiatives in Ontario. Oh, okay. okay. And it's actually quite big in the U.S., um, but less so in Canada. But we're involved in uh, an organization called Rap Canada, which is a oh. national oh, nonprofit okay. to really help promote wraparound across nice. the country. Oh, so this is something. Yeah, and it's 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 evidence. Uh, there's it's best practice. It's, as soon as you yeah. said it, I go I go to at the, you know I go to blanket. I go, <laughs> yeah. I go to I go to embrace. <laughs> I go to collective hug. You know, which I guess you know not everyone's going to go there, but well, maybe some will go to piggies in a blanket. So right? here's how the blanket works. Yeah, wrap around. Yeah. So uh, as a wraparound facilitator, and this can be any community member, you meet with uh, a person who wants wraparound, and again. These are significant needs. This is at the very high end of the needs spectrum. And you're learning about their strengths. So what are they good at? What are their hopes and dreams for themselves and for their child or, hmm. or family? Um, they're, they're, we sometimes describe them as system veterans. They've been through all the systems, and hmm. the systems are all deficit-based. Hmm. They're all problem-based because you've got problems and we can fix them. They're a little bit medical model in that way. Um, and so wraparound is quite different uh, because we're not ignoring that stuff, but we're really interested in what works for them, what their hopes and dreams are, and then what their needs are. As we're doing that strengths and needs discovery, we call it, we're listening for people who could be on their wraparound team. And that might be a neighbor, it might be an uncle or an aunt, it might be friends, it might be a professional if they want. But the point is that the person chooses who is on the team. And the person has to say, I need this. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm, I, in, a, in a sense, I come and knock on your door, almost. It has, has to be willing to give the wraparound process a try. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And could this be a, something as simple as, um, I have a leak in my basement, I need a plumber? Or is this totally based on uh, uh, mental health issues? It, it's, it's a kind of situation where you might have someone with mental health issues who also has a child with special needs, and they're dealing with extreme poverty. Right. They're about to become homeless. Or, uh, in the midst of all of that, their plumbing has burst and they right. have no way so of So this is really practical. This Very is, this practical. This is holistic. Yes. It's, it's, you're really trying to attend to the, the various uh, needs of because individuals, which need, is amazing. Yeah. Needs yeah. don't come in nice, neat little you know, packages. Humber College and So Change, we're working on a, a conference uh, in May of next year, a little shameless plug, uh, yeah. May the 1st, called Beyond GDP, uh -huh. Beyond Gross nice. Domestic Product. Yes. And, you know, not our phrase, but but still, it's all based on this notion coming out of Bhutan, very yeah. Buddhist country, yep. uh, gross national happiness. Yep. Sounds corny. Yep. Sounds trite in a way. Sounds idealistic, but it's about attending to the needs of individuals, yep. like your wraparound. Yeah. That's not. It's not. This isn't just about money, guys. No, exactly. This is way deeper exactly. than that, and we gotta start talking about these issues in a more holistic, relational, wraparound-like exactly. kind of way. And our service yeah. delivery system is set up. And we call it categorical services. So huh. if you need money, you go to Ontario Works. If you need mental health, you go to the mental health center. Uh, if you need whatever else, you need medical attention, you go there. If, you're, if your child is dealing with the law, you're dealing with it's the a, justice system. It's a, it's a friendly support mechanism by the yeah. sounds of it. Yeah. So and, and then you're, there's probably all kinds of unexpected outcomes, I would think, that come out of this absolutely. as well. Stuff that you guys didn't even see or absolutely. relationships that you, you know, right. I love that stuff. Right. What's the, so what's the opposite of deficit-based? Strength-based. Simply. So, so, yeah. so what, what are you good at? Right. What yeah. are you good at? Uh, what, are you, what do you like to do? 
Right. What has worked for you in the past? What's working for you now? What are your hopes and dreams? Where do you want so, to see yourself in five years? So for years? me, that's like almost a real practical outpouring of, of capacity building exactly. in a sense, right? That's right. So we're not going to just... Um, we're not going to just come alongside and stop gap. Yeah. We're not just going to give you food for the next six months. Yep. This is about actually sustainable, That's right. healthy living. And building community around yeah. them. So, yeah. And it's their own community that they choose. We, uh, we There's a wraparound association of Ontario, and uh, we meet. And uh, one year we had a young man who came through the wraparound process successfully from Toronto. He had been living on the streets. And we asked him, what, so what made the wraparound work for you? And he said, it was the fact that I could hire and fire my own team. Hmm. And we said, okay, that's great, but what about this and what about that? And he said, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. It's the fact that I could hire and fire my own team. Hmm. In other words, um, he had control. He was used to being in case conferences with a dozen professionals around that he really did not have control over. Hmm. I mean, he gave consent, but that's, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. and. And there's, you know, I have another colleague who, who says, I worked with a mom who said, I got to know everyone's footwear really well. Hmm. Because we would start the case conference and people would keep talking about what, everything that was wrong with my son. So by the end of the meeting, my head was down and I was mm. looking at everyone's feet. Isn't that a great story? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's, yeah, sad so, and uh, yeah, exactly. a real challenge as well, right? We're back, we're kind of back to listening again, aren't That's we? right. Yeah. Now, there, I, I don't want to, you know, I want to be careful about this. Yeah. So many of my colleagues work in that system and I have great respect for them. Of course, yeah. Uh, when my arm is broken, I want my doctor to have a deficit-based approach. Of course, right? of course. It's But, but, but again, you know, the, the pendulum. Right. 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 Balance, hopefully, let it swing one way a little bit. Let's learn from both sides and try to try to come out with a hopefully a more sustainable, holistic, relationally based system, which I think we are really, unfortunately, a long way away from. Yeah. But it's in, it's conversations like this that encourage the heck out of me uh, that, you know, every now and then, you know, most doctors I meet are, I wouldn't call them relationally yeah, based. Yeah. yeah. And every now and then you get this doctor that's got nothing but time for you. Right, right. And talks about every, I remember sitting in a specialist office and I asked him a question about something else. I've had some issues over the last couple of years. And he said, well, here, let me pull that up for you. Uh -huh. I've, got, I've got access to that record. Uh -huh. I almost fell off my yeah. seat. What do you mean? It's outside of your discipline. This isn't who you are, right? This is dermatology. We're talking about, you know, my kidney right now. You know, it was amazing. And I remember I called my wife. I got in the car. I go, holy smokes. You're not going to believe what the experience I just had. But I think that's when the system starts to break down. And right. when I say the system, right. I mean that, that George Orwellian-like system. Right. right. Right? That's actually not working. Right. That's 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 building a fourth wall between me and the patient right. or me and the client exactly. or me and the person or whoever it is exactly. and that fence in my backyard exactly right exactly and uh yeah and that's when i start getting hopeful in right. fact i'm getting a little bit of a shiver right now yeah you good know, it's it's uh but you know seven out of ten days i tell it say it all the time i'm gonna turn the world upside down right. three out of ten i'm, I'm right ready, uh, right i'm done <laughs> right. i'm out i'm out that's real you're, you're on your own that's real you're on your own um so yeah, I mean, I, I love where you guys are heading. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to wrap up the conversation shortly, and it just once again, so much more going on than meets the eye with these kinds of things. And and um, what um, yesterday, driving along Richmond or Adelaide, driving by the Sheraton, somebody in the car 
6.30 at night, it's raining, maybe going to snow, quite cold, yeah. and I look over and I had been out a year and a half ago with my family staying overnight at the Sheraton in Toronto going, it was a New Year's kind of yeah. uh, thing, and there was a man sleeping, lying there yeah. on the corner, yeah. and I remember it very specifically. In fact, I, I started to write something about it back then. Don't know if it was the same guy I saw last night, uh -huh. but there was a man there. And I drove by and we sort of stopped because of the traffic yeah. and, and I wanted to get out. Right. Honestly, I wanted to get yeah. out and help this guy. Watched a few people walk by. Yeah. What can I do? Yeah, that's you know, I'm in I'm in the field. I'm right. in the field of international development. Right. I'm I want to change the way people see the world. Right. I wanna I wanna compel people to get out of their cars and help and yeah. to, to make a difference and to, to chisel away at that system. Yeah. And here I drove by. Right. 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 So I mean, I would imagine there's some mental health going on issues with this individual, and I don't mean that in a judgmental no, or critical no. way at all. Yeah. Maybe we've got some other issues, but you know, that whole there but for the grace of God go I. Yeah. What the heck do I do? What do others do at yeah. that point, Mark? I mean, what yeah. is there anything you can do? I think it's very challenging. I mean, I hang out with a guy who is pretty much on the streets, mm. um, who's, who he's dealing with paranoid schizophrenia, and he's, he's you know, a little bit developmentally delayed. Mm. He's been rejected by his family, um, and he's he's in his mid-30s, and he's climbing more and more into addiction. Mm. Uh, he's on Oxycontins and Percocets and wow. and you name it. Yeah, crack cocaine, alcohol, drugs. alcohol is actually one of the worst things for him. So, and it's very challenging, but I try to be friends with him, mm. and uh, we get together. Uh, I don't give him money anymore because he. I know he's buying drugs, but I buy him food. Sure. And we have a good time. Um, he loves music, and so I burn CDs for him, and that's right. a huge gift right. for him. Right. I I think it's very individual what our responses are, mm -hmm. and I, and I think we can't do everything. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important not to beat ourselves up for that. Yeah, I think so too. I'm. I, I don't know. I'm just always so uncomfortable with that. I mean, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But there's a. I mean. You know, I don't want to get into the whole guilt and shame thing around I'm not doing enough right. because now we're talking about me again right, right. and my own insecurities right. and all of that. But truthfully, yeah. from a needs-based perspective, how do you help uh, somebody like that, you know? Yeah. And and, I, and like you said, I mean, I think it is individual. I think, yeah. you know what I think too, Mark, is, I don't know how you feel about this, but believing that when we do yeah. burn CDs yeah. or take someone out for lunch that we are having... right. There, there is an impact there. We're, we're making a difference right. on some level. Right, I think so. You know, I, I, my things are little things, incrementalism, going to make a difference one day. I don't know that we, we all really believe that, you know? Sure. I believe that. Yeah, I, it's good. You know, I think there's a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. um, he says to me, Mark, you're such a good friend to me. And I, 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 it's so challenging to be a friend that I get very exasperated. <laughs> right. But... Right. That's enough to keep me yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I know he's got almost no one. Yeah. Virtually no one, other than folks who are selling him drugs. You know, so it. I, I think stepping out of ourselves to try to make a difference in some context, um, trying to be a community member that starts to be intentional about looking after our vulnerable community members that's what it's about and whether it's that specific person I mean we like I say we can't do everything for everyone um, 
Thank you uh, for your time today, your generosity. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we need to do seven or eight more interviews to really get to the the, the work, the real the real substance here. But thanks for joining us, uh, Mark Vandervenen from the Shalim Network, and that's S H A L E M Network org. Check them out online. You can get involved. You can donate now. I'm sure there's volunteer opportunities. Certainly, even just to get a better sense for what the heck is going on in this crazy, beautiful world that we live in. Thanks again, Mark, for joining us. Thank you, David. It's a treat.